2: It's easy to forget that Malik Monk is just 24 years old, and while he is thriving in his role here in Sacramento, his NBA journey to get to this point wasn't the easiest by any means on today's locked on Kings podcast. We'll go through that NBA journey, starting with Doug Branson from the locked on Hornets podcast to talk about his time in Charlotte, where he started his career and Andy Kaminski from the locked on Lakers podcast. will join me uh, to talk about Malik's one year in LA last year, where his glow up really began. It's all right here on locked on Kings.
3: You are locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On.
2: Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season long. Today, presented by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a hundred percent instant deposit match up to one hundred dollars with promo code locked on. That's prizepix.com, promo code locked on. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports producer and reporter at ABC Ten. And one of the best parts of being a uh uh, a host here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Being a part of the Locked On Podcast Network is the great connections that I have with all the other fantastic hosts of the Locked On Podcast Network. And two of those hosts will be joining me here on Locked On Kings today, Doug Branson from Locked On Hornets, Andy Kamenetsky from Locked On Lakers, all to talk about Malik Monk and his NBA journey. Malik's journey didn't get off to the best of starts being drafted by the Charlotte Hornets. There were some Off the court issues that Malik dealt with in his time with Charlotte never really got going, so much so that the Hornets, by the end of his rookie contract, let him go. He went to LA, and that's where things really started to turn around. But Doug Branson joins me right now to tell us what happened during that time in Charlotte, to give us the perspective on the lessons that Malik had to learn the hard way. And if any of those successes that we're seeing now in Sacramento, maybe started at the very end of his time with the Hornets, or did he simply need a change of scenery to get going? Taking a journey through Malik Monk's career, how he finally got to this position where he's blossoming in his six-man role with the Sacramento Kings. But in order to understand that, we have to go back to the beginning, the Charlotte days. The Hornets drafted Malik Monk. He spent the majority of his career in Charlotte, and the majority of that time, I would say, Probably not the best for Malik. Here to tell us more about his time in Charlotte is Locked On Hornets host Doug Branson. Doug, welcome into Locked On Kings, my friend. I appreciate you providing the perspective. First and foremost, how would you sum up the Malik Monk era uh, in his time with the uh, the Charlotte Hornets?
3: Yeah, I think it, you know. Obviously, it was a difficult time uh, for him and his and his first stop in the NBA. Uh, I think he was disappointed just from day one, draft day, that he fell, that the Knicks didn't take him, that he fell to 11. Uh, and then coming into his rookie season, I think Hornets fans were disappointed that Malik Monk wasn't able to deliver that microwave, you know, high-scoring output that uh, a lot of people got used to seeing him do in Kentucky. And in fact, local fans were really familiar with it because he dropped a 40-piece on the UNC Tar Heels. And so maybe maybe the expectations weren't quite right from Malik Monk, who, who was young coming into the league. But I think a lot of people expected him to immediately come in and contribute in, in that one area, which was shooting and and specifically outside shooting. And that just didn't come into fruition until very late into his tenure after a coaching change and and some uh, other issues off the court, an anti-drug violation that landed him a suspension, uh, just different kinds of things kept popping up that really derailed Uh, any momentum that he could establish in his uh, first contract with the Hornets.
2: Yeah, Malik was really labeled a shooter and has been labeled a shooter throughout his entire NBA career. But you look back to the years he spent in Charlotte, 34 percent, 33 percent, 28 percent. Those were his first three seasons in the league. It wasn't until his final season in Charlotte, the fourth season where he shot 40%, like you alluded to. But I'm I'm to the point now, Doug, where I think labeling Monk just as a, su- uh, a shooter was a bit misleading because what he's shown mm-hmm. a little bit in L.A. last year and then what he's shown in Sacramento is – I think he's a two way all around score defensively. There's, there's still plenty of questions about him. So not two way in the sense of a defender and an offensive player, but a player that can score attacking the basket, a player that can score on the perimeter. And he did a lot of that in his time at Kentucky too. So what do you, th- do you think it took the years of kind of struggle and frustration that he had in Charlotte in order for him to understand that? Do you think it was a little bit of Charlotte, maybe misusing him or mislabeling him? Like, where do you think the disconnect was?
3: Well, I think it was difficult because, you know, he was drafted to a team that was coached by Steve Clifford, who really values balance on on both ends of the floor. Like you don't have to be an excellent defender, but you do have to be kind of a quality, def- a solid defender who understands the principles of good team defense and gets better as the season goes and that just didn't happen with Malik Monk in fact you know he tended to get worse defensively as the year went on and I think that cost him minutes that cost him a place in the rotation ultimately under Steve Clifford I mean it was sort of widely known that Clifford uh was what favored Donovan Mitchell in that draft but Rich Cho and Michael Jordan liked what they saw and heard from Malik Monk and they ultimately uh you know went with Monk so, you know, I think it got off to a bad start. It felt like his confidence in his shot waned uh, in those first couple of seasons. It really was only when he started to transform his game a little bit under uh, James Borrego that you saw a, a little bit of that confidence come back. He started going to the rim more, so he started shooting less, putting his head down, getting to the rim more, and using that athleticism to score easily there. And then also passing, um, you know, I, my co-host on the Locked on Hornets podcast, Walker Mill, was a little higher on Malik Monk than I was. And specifically, when he watched the tape on him in Kentucky, he thought, wow, you know, no one's talking about this guy's passing, but he really has a great ability uh, to find shooters, you know, after he drives. And so he started to do that more under Borrego and and almost, I think, salvaged a place in the rotation. But ultimately, those defensive woes, I think, even under Borrego kept him out.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The last year that that he spent in Charlotte, which you were talking about a little bit there, averaged 11.7 points, but only played 42 games that final season in Charlotte, which is 2020-2021. Do you feel like had he returned to the Hornets that he would have gotten to where he got with the Los Angeles Lakers last year and then gotten to this point that he got with the Sacramento Kings, or, or was a change of scenery not just necessary for Charlotte, but maybe extremely necessary for Malik.
3: No, I think so. And I don't think there was anything specifically about Malik Monk that a change of scenery was necessary. Uh, but I think in terms of the circumstances around the Hornets organization, they just don't have a lot of defense at the guard position. They, they really, they still don't have it. And they didn't have it really during his entire tenure. And so the, the sort of, the, the fit there was always really interesting um, and and never really benefited Malik Monk in particular. So, so I think that was a factor. Um, but, but I also think, you know, once, once you make those couple of mistakes, whether it was, you know, not showing up to a particular summer league to, to help uh, you know, get, get himself better, but also work with some of the other young players or it was the drug violation. There just seemed to be, every time he would take a step forward, there would be two steps back. And I think you know by by the time he left i i think the damage was done within this particular organization and and there are players that just need a change of scenery to i this happened specifically with the hornets this happened with Jeremy Lamb on the other end they got lamb on sort of his last chance opportunity in the league and it benefited lamb and it benefited the hornets in that particular situation and i always felt like Malik Monk had an opportunity But he needed to see sort of that last chance, like, all right, I've really got to figure this out now, instead of, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a top, uh, you know, I'm a lottery pick, I'm coming into this situation, I'm a hot young player, I'm a hot shooter, you know, that kind of thing. I I felt like he needed either a stop or two stops before he really started to understand, okay, this is what will make me successful uh, in the league. And it's, it's nice to see him doing great things in Sacramento.
2: Is, do you think the blame is like a 50-50 split between the organization maybe mishandling things with Monk and Monk not being as locked in or as he, he should be, or do you think the blame falls more on one side over the other?
3: I think there's certainly some blame within the organization in, in terms of of fit and, and making that draft pick and not understanding, okay, we don't really have the, the wing depth, the guard depth on the defensive end of the floor for this particular draft pick to make sense. But they also didn't expect Malik Monk to come in and shoot as poorly as he did from three. Like if you if you get in the time machine or you find another universe where Malik Monk comes in and he he is scoring like 20 plus points a game on the regular because he's knocking down three or four three point opportunities, then he would justify his place in the rotation, even with some of the defensive issues. But it was that pairing of really not. Focusing on the defensive end, it, it wasn't that he was like an a, a below-average defender. It was like he was actively hurting the team's, the entire team's ability to defend because he just wasn't, you know, adhering to sort of basic principles of team defense. And so when you pair that with the shooting issues, it, it just became untenable to play him big minutes unless you know the injuries really warranted it. So you know, and and certainly it wasn't the organization's fault that he that he got popped for the drug violation. So, yeah, I mean, I think there is some blame with the organization, but I think ultimately, you know, Malik Monk, uh, both, both performance and and the decision-making were very suspect. And, and I think the organization probably ultimately made the right move because I'm, I'm not sure that that Malik Monk could have salvaged that and turned into what he's turned into in Sacramento without getting released or without, or without the team moving on.
2: Right. A couple more that I got for you, Doug. Uh, Malik has not surprised a lot of people, but he's he's grown on a lot of people in Sacramento, and certainly grown in that King's locker room with the personality that he has. He's quickly become kind of this energizer bunny, kind of the passion, the in a lot of ways the heartbeat of this this organization. And that shows in how he plays when he comes in off the bench, and it shows in the personality that he has inside the locker room and in the practice facility. Did that personality exist? in charlotte or was that something that he also kind of developed and and matured into i think that's
3: probably something that that was was always there probably it was there in kentucky when when he was a a major piece of of that organization but i think you know some of the early struggles leaked into the confidence as i said and and certainly when when he was when he was going he was a, a happy player on the court and, and mm. definitely brought that energy. And once he, tra- like I said, once he transformed his game and, and started to find a little bit of a place within Borrego's rotation, you could see like the joy and the exuberance that you're talking about on the floor. But I'm not sure that personality ever showed itself you know, much to the media uh, in, in front of us where we could see. And I think part of that had to do with some of the frustrations and struggles that he had in Charlotte. And but I think that's just a product again of of getting that uh, last opportunity and, and making the most of it and and now you're seeing sort of the full Malik Monk product.
2: Finally, Doug, I don't know how much you're paying attention to Kings basketball and what Malik Monk is doing, but what is I'm just curious your assessment on what Malik is doing in Sacramento and and what you're seeing from him from even a, a outside perspective on the Kings.
3: Well, again, I, I think it's he's turned into everything that the Hornets uh, fans were were thinking he could turn into—just that ultimate offensive weapon that um, is it, it can can really score on all three levels. But is also the the thing that they didn't expect uh, is the thing that he's even getting better at, which is moving the basketball. Uh, I was looking at his assist percentage numbers, and they've just skyrocketed mm-hmm. in in his time in Sacramento. And I'm not sure if the if the fit. It is better in Sacramento, you know, depth-wise. I don't know if uh, it makes more sense for him to be that full offensive weapon that he can be in Sacramento. Uh, the Hornets probably needed a little bit more defense at the time, and that's why it didn't totally work. So, you know, uh, so much of, of, a, of a lot of these NBA players' career is just opportunity, situation, fit, circumstance. And, and then when you find that, when all those things start clicking, do you make the most of that opportunity? And, and I'm really happy to see Malik Monk Uh, making that most of that opportunity now.
2: Doug, appreciate the context, my friend, and Locked On Kings listeners. If you have any questions or wondering what's going on with the Charlotte Hornets, make sure you check out Locked On Hornets. Appreciate you, Doug. No, No problem. Thanks. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy, the way it was meant to be played. The way it works, you pick two to six players, and if they will score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people, it's just you versus the projections available. And they offer Prize picks offers uh, opportunities on every single sport that you can think of NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, uh, college football, men's college, basketball, women's college, basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, even disc golf. They have it all entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's that easy they have safe and fast withdrawal so when you win money you can get that money quickly and they're currently operational in over 30 states and in canada and right now first time users if you want to give prize picks a try uh, locked on will help you make some money right away. The the price picks uh, is offering an instant 100% match up to $100. All you have to do when you sign up and create an account is use promo code locked on. So you deposit $100, you get $100 right there. You deposit $50, you get $50 right there. No questions asked. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 and play price picks, daily fantasy, the way it was meant to be played.
3: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: Hold your tomatoes. Yes, I had to talk to a Lakers guy. We had to get the full context of Malik Monk's NBA journey. And we can forgive him for the one season that he spent wearing Laker yellow because... That was the season where the glow up really began for Malik Monk and here to uh, give us some context on that one year of Monk in Lakerland and uh, Andy Kamenetsky from the Locked On Lakers podcast joins me. Andy, how are you my friend? Are you dodging the tomatoes? Welcome back to Locked On Kings.
0: Well, first of all, he spent a season in Laker gold, uh, not Laker yellow. I don't know what the hell that is. That that (laughs) doesn't exist. It's more of a
2: sickly sheen. It just kind of makes you look a little pale and nasty, but – I guess it matches the rings you wear. I was curious,
0: what what color are the uh, banners in whatever the hell they call Arco these days?
2: Hey, you know what? Our Pacific Division banners will not Mm -hmm. be touched. Leave us alone. You don't
0: want to go down this road, my friend.
2: (laughs) It always ends badly for Sacramento Kings fans, but you know what? We'll we'll keep our grudge forever. But Andy, I I do really appreciate you joining me here on on Locked on Kings to kind of give the context of How Malik went from his time in Charlotte, where his last season in Charlotte, things started to turn around a little bit, but the Hornets ultimately decided just to let him go after after drafting him. The Lakers pick him up and he starts a handful of games in L.A., but before the Sacramento Kings season has the best season of his career by far. What did you see from Malik right away that said, okay, this is different from what he was like in Charlotte?
0: Um first of all and this was a lot by Malik's own admission there was a buy-in to try to be the best all-around version of himself. You know, he he was the first to admit that there were issues of maturity in Charlotte for him and dedication particularly on the defensive end and you know I'm sure we'll talk about this defensively, you know, Malik is not nor will he ever be prime Ron Artest. Huh. But he doesn't necessarily have to be in in order to serve a function on that and in the meantime you know i i personally saw him develop as a playmaker um he's an extremely creative scorer something i've noticed like he's not he's not just like you know what they'd call like a, a three level three tier scorer there's a creativity in the way he goes about doing a lot of his scoring that is you know really useful for the team that he plays for but it's also just really entertaining to watch and it's it seemed like Malik really recognized that he you know he there had been a lot of reports that he took below market value to play for the Lakers because he liked the opportunity liked the situation to be in and then as the year went along it was confirmed by his brother Marcus who's his agent that he really only had one other offer and it was from Dallas. And it was basically the same money. So the idea that Malik had bet on himself in L.A. really gave way to the idea of this was somebody who recognized I'm at a career crossroads. And to his credit, uh, as a young player, I think he really capitalized on that urgency and and really I wasn't quite sure what they'd be getting from Malik. I wasn't even, frankly, quite sure he'd be in the rotation. It was before I realized Kendrick Nunn would not play a single minute, but he, it was a really fun thing to watch Malik flourish last year. I, I really quite enjoyed it. How much of it do you think was like a
2: necessary change of scenery for Malik going from Charlotte to LA and how much do you think it was the right people, the right system, maybe an established system in LA, certainly playing with someone like LeBron James that, that helped that flourishment.
0: I think it's both. It was pretty clear by the end he had to get out of Charlotte. You know, I mean, that for a team to, you know, really give up that quickly on a high draft pick, particularly if you're the Hornets and you know you're not a free agent destination. And no matter what you thought of Malik in terms of, you know, dedication, responsibility, professionalism, you know, there was the drug suspension, all, all that stuff. There's no question he's talented and Charlotte is not a team that basically can just, you know, think finger around the league. Okay. We're going to take this guy. We're going to take this guy. We're going to take this guy and go like the way Laker fans often believe that they can just do this the entire league and play puppet master. Like, you know, they, they don't get to do that. So it, that in and of itself signaled that he needed a different destination. I do think it helped for him to be around LeBron James, to be around Anthony Davis, to be around Russell Westbrook, who no matter what you think about him, that guy is a professional in the way he approaches basketball. He's extremely professional. And, you know, Frank Vogel, as embattled as his last season was with the Lakers, he's all about preparation. Mm-hmm. And he's also somebody that I think can be very difficult to get sold on players unless they are super talented, if they are not putting in the work defensively. And Vogel, by all appearances, loved Malik. So again, I I think it speaks to him needing to get out, landing in a good place for him, and then recognizing the importance of making good on that opportunity.
2: I think Malik is in the perfect role here in Sacramento with that six-man Energizer Bunny player off the bench. You may recall,
0: by the way, before the season began, Matt, you asked me to pick uh, to predict between Malik Monk and Kevin Herter, who would start. And Mm -hmm. I said I thought it would be Herter. Mm -hmm. And I happened to check out uh, the the YouTube page for Locked on Kings. And my God, did your people come at me (laughs) saying that I was an idiot? Like, how the hell? This guy's an idiot if he actually thinks Kevin Herter is going to start ahead of Malik Monk. Hey, uh, well, first off, being a Laker guy, there's nothing
2: that you could have said that would have been the right answer to those people. You know that very well. Number (laughs) two is I was in the same boat with you. I thought it was Kevin Herter's spot and I thought it was going to be his spot to lose. And I think it became known pretty quickly that that was going to be Kevin Herter's spot. But what was interesting is Malik. Started off the season. I mean, the Kings as a whole started off the season 0 and 4, so they they struggled out of the gate. And Mike Brown admitted, like, man, I I struggled to kind of fit my rotations together. But once he got that rotation figured out and found out when to bring Mal- uh, Malik into the game and which starters to leave out there to play with him, that's where things really started to open up. But you look back to his time in LA, Andy, and you see he started 37 games uh played 76 total was there a difference that you saw between uh bench Malik Monk production wise and starter Malik Monk
0: I mean the season was so chaotic with yeah. guys in and out of the lineup that I I don't even think that you can gauge it along those terms I just think about it, and this is why I thought Kevin Herter would end up starting ahead of Malik ultimately I just think about utility mm. and where somebody like Malik who you know he he can spot up from behind the arc. You know, he, he's somebody that can catch and shoot, but you, you're you not going to get the most out of that utility and that creativity unless he's going to get the ball in his hands a certain amount of time. And similar to what was then a starting lineup of LeBron, AD, and Russ, or if you look at the setup in Sacramento, some of the guys that you know are going to have the ball on their hands, you know, uh, De'Aaron Fox, uh, DeMontis Sabonis, like, there's only so many opportunities for him. Whereas if he ends up coming off the bench, I actually think you're going to get the most out of him. And I I think Malik actually can understand that as well too. And especially in a situation where he got his money, like he doesn't need to worry about starting in terms of how it affects his next contract. He's set for a while. I think he's actually in a place coming off the bench where he's going to be able to showcase what he can do better than he would be if he had actually started and, I guess, gained more stature from it.
2: And to your point, that's exactly what he's doing. Now, we knew Malik had this scoring ability. I think he was, in in some ways, mislabeled as a pure shooter when you look back to his time at Kentucky. And he and De'Aaron Fox were both just as aggressive attacking the rim, uh, which he's kind of gotten back to that and showed a bit of that in Sacramento. I know he showed some of that attacking the rim and his aggressiveness in L.A. as well. But what he's surprised me and a lot of people with this year is a – passing
0: ability yes like he
2: just shows this passing ability in this flash and flare i'm guessing by that reaction that's something that he started to show in la as well
0: yeah and i didn't see that coming um i maybe it was something that he developed maybe it was me not being as familiar you know game to game with malik monk because like most people outside of charlotte and maybe people inside charlotte i don't watch a lot of hornets games <laughs> yeah um he's he's also a very creative passer. He, he will be two or three times a game where he doesn't just make an assist. It's a really slick assist. Mm -hmm. Like he, he, he's really good at these very like almost circus passes. If that makes sense, Mm -hmm. you know, there'll be times where he gets himself in a little bit of trouble. You know, there'll also be maybe one or two times of the game where you're like, okay, that was a little much dial it back. But he, for a guy that I think has often been labeled, you know, score first and even a volume scorer he's actually a pretty willing passer and it seems like that he's actually been boosting that more in Sacramento and has actually been really priding himself on developing that part of his game as well as the scoring i mean at this point everybody knows he can score um but i did not expect him you know i wouldn't necessarily have him run sets but he's very good in particular at getting into the lane and mm-hmm. finding somebody when you think he's actually going to be attacking the basket. He, he's quite good at that.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you brought up the slick passing. I, I 100% agree with you, and he's started to really show that off as of late. And to me, it's become almost a necessary injection of kind of flash, flare, and energy that the Sacramento Kings can desperately use. I mean, you look at the, the players that they have, DeMontis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox in particular, these are guys that they have, Star elements to their game, of course, and even with De'Aaron and the explosiveness that he has, he's never been kind of a flashy type player. I mean, it's it's rare that you see De'Aaron throw down a dunk and let out a scream. Like he just he doesn't really do that anymore compared to early on in his career. DeMonte Sabonis is one of the most reserved players as it gets. Same thing with Kevin Herter. Same thing with Harrison Barnes. So Malik comes off the bench, throws a slick yeah. pass, lets out a roar, hits a big shot, and has this scowl on his face or this big smile on his face, and it, it injects life into the Sacramento Kings. Is that something you saw in L.A.?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was going to say he's much more of a smiler than a scowler. Like Malik Monk is not a mean mug guy. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just not who he is. Like, I I wouldn't say that I got to know him necessarily during the one year in LA, like uh, with uh, the COVID protocols and Zoom setups. Like, uh, you just aren't around people as much. But his vibe, I really enjoyed it. I mean, frankly, seemed like a pretty sweet guy. Um, And it also seems from the outside looking in, like he's one of the leaders of, of the beam team thing. Yep. And and, you know, that's, that feels very much like him. Um, he's, he just seems like a really, really likable guy. And again, somebody that it seems like made some mistakes in Charlotte and recognized the importance of, I may not get many more opportunities about this and why professionalism matters. Like it, it's something that if you spend enough time around the league and talking with players, especially ones who had kind of turbulent beginnings to their their career, the common the commonality that they often always cite is just I wasn't professional enough in the beginning. There's like just a lot about pure professionalism that I needed to learn, and it, and it seems like Malik's learned that.
2: Finally, Andy, is there an element of? of regret, and maybe that's not the right way to phrase the question. Uh, it, it, for me, it's like the Lakers see what Malik is doing in Sacramento. I have a feeling they they wanted to retain him, even though they financially they had the, the, the obstacles in their way. But the way I want to ask this question is this, like had they retained Malik Monk, do you think what we're seeing Monk do in Sacramento, taking his game to that next level, do you think that would have been something that he also brought to LA or do you think that kind of the Sacramento team and, and it's also a product of his environment a little bit with the, the, the King system.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I want to give Sacramento credit for what's going on right now. They're having a terrific season. I'm, I, on a side note, really happy for Mike Brown mm-hmm. because I covered Mike when he coached the Lakers for season and a half and yeah. our, not even a season and a half, it was a season and five games, but I do. I never thought at the time that he was the right fit. For that team, I, I was frankly pretty stunned when they hired him, but I always knew that he was an incredible defensive mind. And more importantly, he's a terrific person. Mike, Mike Brown is as solid a coach or a solid person as any coach I've ever been around. And, and he's somebody that you want to see successful. And I had heard from people that were close to the Warriors because he you know, spent years as an assistant there that they thought that he had learned a lot during that time with that particular franchise that would prepare him for the next chance if he got that opportunity. And it seems like that's what's happening right now. So again, just side note, extremely happy for Mike Brown. But as far as your original question with Malik, I think this is what he'd be doing if he were in LA. I mean, there's if anything, the Lakers have gained more structure offensively under Darvin Ham. I mean, Frank Vogel... Offense and offensive creativity systems, all that, that's never been his thing. And, you know, the Lakers, the championship season in certain respects thrived in spite of what Frank Vogel, who is a terrific defensive coach, doesn't really bring to the table offensively. Darvin Ham is a better offensive coach than Frank Vogel. So I don't see any reason why Malik wouldn't be doing this here. And they wanted to keep him, it just was not it just was not fine, you know, because of cap rules, it was not financially doable.
2: Well, Andy, really appreciate your perspective and your insight. And I'm looking forward to the Kings and Lakers clashing for the first time this season in Sacramento coming up just before Christmas, my friend. So we'll become enemies again before that, but we're always friends here on Lockdown. I appreciate you so much.
0: Anytime, man. Thank you.
2: Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. If you want to bet on Malik Monk, winning sixth man of the year, you can do that. Odds are being updated all the time, all season long on awards, on games, on championship odds. It does not matter. Plus, incredibly fun side and prop bets that you can find for any sport. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball, soccer, eSports. They have it all on betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those as well well on BetOnline. They are the fastest and easiest way to get that betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. big thank you to Doug and Andy for joining me here on Locked on Kings today. Really appreciate the context that they were able to provide. And now we see Malik Monk thriving in this six-man role with the Sacramento Kings as that volume scorer, that energizer bunny, that willing passer. Malik can still get better, which is crazy. And he's just 24 years old. And, And the fact that uh, Malik, I mean, he he kind of had to bet on himself and, and didn't get a lot of opportunities, especially money-wise, uh, after his time in Charlotte, revived his career a little bit uh, with what he was able to do in LA, and still the Sacramento Kings got him on a bargain price compared to the production that he's providing uh, for the next two years here in Sacramento, which are hopefully going to be two of the best, if not the best years of his career. I know a lot can change between now and the time that contract ends, but I'm already saying that I want to see Malik Monk in a Kings uniform for a long time, and maybe you feel the same way. If you want to respond to anything that I talked about with Doug uh, or Andy, you want to talk about Malik Monk's journey to this point, what you're seeing out of him. Maybe you're a Hornets fan or a Lakers fan and want to provide your context of what you saw. Please send that to me at Matt MattGeorgeSack on Twitter. Email me Sports at gmail.com or leave that context. Leave those thoughts down in the YouTube comment section down below. Really appreciate your support of Locked on Kings. Uh, If you could leave a review of the podcast, that would be great. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, that's the best place to leave a review. Hit five stars. There's a little box where you can put a custom uh, review. Please take the time to do that if you have a couple of minutes. Just write in there why you like listening to the podcast. Any constructive criticism you have for the podcast is fair game too. Uh, Why you'd encourage others to listen. kings fans or just basketball fans in general that would be amazing if you're listening on spotify there's no custom review system but you can hit five stars there and then if you're watching on youtube uh hit the thumbs up and subscribe i really would appreciate that that helps the uh, podcast and the channel out a ton love your support love talking to you looking forward to having you join me on the next episode of locked on kings until then my name is matt george you've been listening to the locked on kings podcast part of the locked on podcast network